1: Carol Zorniel, our co-host, joins us on our Caregiver SOS on-air hotline, and we are FaceTiming as well so we can eyeball each other as we do this program. Carol is the Executive Director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation, Next Avenue's Top 50 Influencer on Aging, selected a year or so ago for that, Master's Degree in Social Gerontology, and she has over 25 years' experience in the field of aging or caregiving past chair of the board of the directors of the National Council on Aging and Carol's executive director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. And Carol, we got a great topic coming up because it really fits with what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks and what we've been talking about on Take 10 as well.
2: Well, compassion fatigue. So how many of us are fatigued with the pandemic, with the election? Now let's just add caregiving on top of that. Uh, and we can run run into trouble um, with just being overloaded.
1: Well, we've got someone who's going to get us out of trouble. Stephen Chi joins us, Director of Wellness at Lifetime Wellness up in Dallas. He had an article in Next Avenue, Seven Ways Family Caregivers Can Combat Compassion Fatigue. How do you combat it? Stephen Chee is with us to help us. Stephen, thanks for coming on.
3: You're welcome, Ron. Thanks for having me.
1: What is compassion fatigue let's begin uh with the uh, beginning what is
3: it? yeah good good question compassion fatigue so um, as we as we are family caregivers or even even a professional caregiver, as you guys know, um, you know Carol, you mentioned this as well the increased risk of anxiety depression um, the day to day the hours upon hours and the challenges um, what I've noticed within this compassion fatigue equation is the uh, the quality of life um, changes for us caregivers, and when you're when you're below that threshold, when you're when you're mentally, physically, emotionally exhausted, and you couple that with um, the demands of today, the society, the world, you can call that compassion fatigue, and uh, it changes our Quality of life as a caregiver, so that that's a snapshot of of the definition.
1: And how then do you go about combating it? And do you know you have it when you have it?
3: That's a gr- well. That's actually a great. That's great. A lot of um, caregivers have shared with me that sometimes it will hit later. Um, so it's like a, you know like an emotional wave. You may not know about the emotion at the moment, or you may be recognizing it. But then it hits your body or your system at a later time. So those emotional waves within this compassion fatigue is is a very delicate process. It takes a lot of sensitivity to to listen to um, everything going on as as we live in a very fast paced world. However, with um that sensitivity, with the ability to listen, over time, as a caregiver, you'll find that you're able to get in tune with how your system um, is, how your, 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 your thoughts, your mind, your internal state, and then also physically, what your energy levels. And so over time, it can become more, uh, you've become more aware of it. And some have to plan prior to the time of that um, threshold point. So it has a lot to do with sensitivity.
2: Well, and, you know, I would add that sometimes uh, a caregiver may not recognize that they've hit this wall, that they've got compassion fatigue, and Mm -hmm. so hopefully there are others um, surrounding friends and family who can help, you know, kind of nudge that awareness uh, that things are not going well.
3: Very good point. Very good point, Carol.
1: Now, Stephen, you had experience on both sides of the aisle. Uh, You were a caregiver for your dad for a period of time. Tell us about that.
3: Yeah, and that's actually the introduction to, um, you know, that family caregiving role, um, which uh, it's interesting. Um, I had no idea it would be such a gift to my life, you know, and you guys have maybe heard that before in this whole caregiving journey. Uh, but in 2008, I had a decision. Um, so I, uh, my mother and father, um, they had uh, 10 children. So I'm, I have nine brothers and sisters. Wow. Uh, but, and I'm the middle child and yes, it is true. I am the uh. mediator as well. So that does <laughs> play into it. But, um, so I, I, I just, um, I had, it was a good time in my life. I was able to leave uh, here, uh, in Dallas and, uh, my father lived in, uh, Seattle, Washington, and so i became his caregiver he was struggling with um heart heart conditions and struggles um struggled at that time and so um i traveled there and um really just stepped into the role without knowing much at all uh really just led with my my heart however it's funny i i actually received more um than than i felt like i gave to him um and at that time I wasn't. I wasn't really um, prepared related to even compassion fatigue or even the comments of that or the idea of it. But when you think about the safety plans and the transportation and the doctor visits and the care coordination and the, the management of of the monies, uh, even technology communications, grief, forgiveness, family relations, it adds up really, really quick. Adds up really, really quick. So, that introduction was wonderful, very challenging, but wonderful. And then we moved into uh, elements um, of understanding. Okay, what what is a POA? What are those medical directors uh, for 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 this individual for my my loved one, and et cetera. So, that's the the introduction. And then I I didn't know I'd be recruited back to Texas to long term care. Um, I'd worked I worked more in the hospital setting. But now in long-term care, so skilled nursing, memory care, assisted living, independent living, home health, etc., and then working with the professional caregiver. So within the last decade, I've worked with the professional caregivers, and a lot of those professional caregivers are also family caregivers. So yes, both, both sides of the aisle, Ron, it's been a most beautiful gift in my life. I foresee myself being a part of this journey um, for the rest of my life, and uh, it is exciting to to be here and, and to be be with you guys honestly on on this topic.
1: And what did caregiving teach you about yourself as you're caring for your dad? What was your dad struggling with?
3: um he the The main thing that he was struggling with was um, he needed to be at sea level physically for his heart, and so that's why uh Seattle was a, a good spot for him but but he his struggles um were uh just the the day-to-day physical um and the surprise um with with his heart condition so they wanted him to have a uh, a surgery and he chose not to and um so I was a part of that process with him mm. um, and big decision but uh, respectful and um You know, on my, my end, what I, what I learned, um, was a lot of a, of a reflection of myself. Um, one, I learned that I didn't know I had it, but I have, I have that caregiving type of heart, which that caregiving heart is very unique. Um, I don't think we really understand how unique it is. Um, in my opinion, it's a gift. It's truly a gift. It it takes a lot of skills, a lot of skills, and uh, a lot of different avenues, a lot of different varieties of, of situations. Um, but I've noticed that it takes that type of heart. So that was one thing, Ron, that I personally discovered was I didn't know that about my heart, and that's why I say it's maybe one of the best gifts in my life because of that and that um, that time with my father provided that uh, reflection for myself
2: well, and you know i i we are always uh, filled with joy when we hear a caregiver talk about the gift of caregiving sp- mm-hmm. because so often they we do talk about the struggles and the difficulties, and it can be both it can be challenging and difficult and still be um, a gift and I liked what you said about you know discovering something in yourself. But also the recognition that not all of us are cut out to be caregivers. It's not going to be a good fit for everyone, and so just recognizing, yeah, I can do this, or wow, this isn't working. You know, it, it, in, in kind of taking a, a, a temperature check on how things are going is so important.
3: Very, very important, Carol. And, and I, would, I would follow that up with, um, you know, because of the statements you just made, it's also very important over time that we. You know, as as you guys do on a daily basis, uh, and and me as well, invest into the caregiver, because those hearts that are unique need that investment, and and it isn't for everyone, and that's okay, because we've all been given different gifts. But with this gift, to invest in that um, is 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 essential, especially where we're headed um, with with the numbers. You guys know all the data. You know, we 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 see the data, and. so that's what's exciting about the actual role, um, and, and I, I truly um, hope to be a part of that.
1: What are the qualities, Stephen Chi, that you think make for the better caregiver?
3: Um, the first is, um, it's a bit of a mindset, Ron, but um, just to, um, you know, Lear- learning, uh, like like I mentioned, learning to be sensitive—it's a bit of a mindset. But to 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 learn to not put yourself last, which is not always easy. You know, the ability to receive, um, just to be open to receive, to to receiving, um, to to be kind. So it's almost that take care to give care feel. Um, you you. We have to be open as a caregiver to realize that, um, you know, we, we are unique. Um, it does require, um, for us to receive and we do need that support system. So I think it's, uh, first for me, it's a, it's a mindset just to be, um, um, open to, uh, to it, to, to the role, but also to, to myself first. And then others. And a lot of caregivers, it's reversed. It's all about everyone else, and then we forget about
1: ourselves. All right, stick with me. I want to find out from you in just a moment what are the seven ways family caregivers can combat compassion fatigue? We'll talk about it on Caregiver SOS On Air, along with our special guest, Stephen Chi, Director of Wellness at Lifetime Wellness up in Dallas, Texas. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co host, Carol Zernhill. Hello, friend. Hello, friend. We'll be good to see you once again. Hello, friend. Hello, friend. We'll be good to see you once again. It's a perfect way to come back to Caregiver SOS on air. Hello, friend. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Carol Zerniel, our co-host, and we were talking with Stephen Chi, director of wellness at Lifetime Wellness. He's on our Caregiver SOS on air hotline. We're talking about how to combat compassion fatigue, a challenge that many, many caregivers experience. Stephen in Next Avenue wrote about it. Share with us, Stephen, the ways family caregivers can beat compassion fatigue.
3: Yeah, thanks, Ron. Um, yeah, I've outlined, um, you know, seven seven ways um, caregivers can combat the compassion fatigue. Um, and, and the goal, too, is also to be very, very practical. Um, I've noticed that... Uh, in life, uh, things that are practical really help. So the fir- the first step um, I spoke to um, prior to the to the break and to, to take care to give care. The main the main concept on that is is to be open. That we we must first receive before we can give. Um, that's not uh, easy. Uh, as a caregiver, so i I, uh, I mentioned that, not putting ourselves last, and
1: take your you oxygen bath. first yeah. go ahead, take your oxygen first.
3: take your oxygen first, exactly, you know, and just um it's not something that you have to um, there's not an action item on that in my opinion. it's a mindset just to be open to rest, to recover, to recharge, to be kind to yourself as a caregiver just that space. Sometimes they call it holding space for others. Well, what about holding space for us as a caregiver and for yourself and for yourself? Exactly. So that's step number one. That's step number one. Number two, um, very essential. So planning, uh, it seems kind of tactical or whatever, but planning. So, um, having a medium to have, uh, some structure around the plan. So, uh, because of our schedules um, and so busy, we typically don't block off anything for ourselves. So scheduling is very important. Um, I take at least an hour or so every Saturday, and I have, a, I have a planning session, and I schedule, and I really look at the week. Obviously, there's a lot of caregiving. We have the appointments. We have, But what about the additional things for ourselves? So when, when do we have time? For that oxygen, when do we have time to exercise or sleep or quiet time? Each week's going to have a lot of variation, so we have to get flexible with that flow technique. However, planning is essential because we'll miss our doctor visits. We'll miss, um, you know, those those quiet times. We'll miss the spiritual practices that we may meet, need to recover sleeping, exercising. Our healthy boundaries start to get ex- uh, 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 stretched a lot. Weeks, some weeks are going to be tough. Some weeks are going to be extremely tough, um, but we, week after week after week after week, if that planning piece is um, not a part of our our journey, it, it's going to catch up. And like for fun, like two is also like, do do you have do you have any fun incorporated um, for that week to to recover and re- restore? So that's um, that's step number two, which is very very important. And then three, three. Uh, emotional intelligence as a caregiver. So, how to cultivate uh, the emotional uh, intelligence piece? We mentioned some of this earlier, but uh, you know the emotional waves that we all go through as a uh, caregiver, practicing to um, practice that a- active listening for for ourselves and then others. Those those communications um, with that empathetic connection. A lot of this has to do with our tempo. Our tempo of our thoughts and our words and multitasking. So, emotional intelligence is a very, very. Um, uh, it takes patience to, uh, to to grow in around self awareness, that positive outlook, overall adaptability, and empathy. So, yeah. empathy for others. Okay, great. That's that's kind of the uniqueness we talked about earlier. That the caregiver's heart. That is a gift. There's a there's an empathetic connection that that caregiver's heart can see. And I'll, I'll give you a quick story. We were walking down a hall, and I was walking with uh, one, of, one of our caregivers, and there was nothing. Um, it was in a long-term care uh, facility. And we walked past her room, and she said, uh, just just one moment, please. She stopped. She went into a room, and she came back out. Now, there was no noise or sound. I, I, I didn't hear anything. And I said, "Hey, can I ask you a question?" So, what did you just do? Hmm. And she said, "I can feel that. Like, I can feel that she needed me to check on her." She, and at that moment, I said, "Wow! So you have an empathetic connection with this resident at that level that you don't need to even hear the words or the, and you can." She said, "Yeah." I said, "That's a gift. <laughs> That's a gift." So. Think about that same gift with others, right? That empathetic connection. But as a caregiver around this cultivating emotional intelligence, also having that for ourselves as a caregiver, can we be loving? Can we be kind? Can we be graceful? Can we be forgiving to ourselves?
1: So and and can, that, we, can we be in the present?
3: Can we be in the present? Can we be in that moment? That's exactly right. So that's number three, which is a, it, it takes some patience, but it's a, it's a great one. Um, number four, um, many of you guys may have seen this, kind of that those bill of rights as a caregiver. The main thing I want to stress there is I've had thousands of caregivers kind of mention, man, when I take time for myself, I just feel so selfish. I feel so selfish. Well, it's not selfish. We have to flip the script on that. It's not selfish. And, and so people say, well, uh, if I don't, if I, if I take time for myself, it's gonna, I'm not going to have time for others. I understand the equation that we're talking about there, but it's back to that oxygen run. We have to receive, and it's not selfish, and we, ha- we have to be able to have that balance. It takes time, but just that concept that it's not selfish is number one. Two, be honest with our capacity, meaning our threshold. Um, we all have a different amount of energy, energy management. We all have- g- going through a lot of different things, a lot of different growth, a lot of different variables, um a lot of different fears, et cetera but just being honest with that, communicating that um and and being open to uh, uh taking time and then have the ability to receive well selfish, being honest with that selfish
1: mm-hmm. is another word for I feel guilty
3: yes yeah I, I, I
1: shouldn't be doing this no, I don't yeah. deserve this right.
3: Yeah, these are all, um, you know, these are all uh, cognitive behaviors that are going to drain us uh, as caregivers. Yeah, we 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 can't play in the world of guilt. We can't play in the world of selfish or I don't deserve. All of that self chatter um, is one of the the greatest things that drain us. Um, and look at how many units of love we're pumping out each day already. So let's have that internal chatter going, training us internally. So that not a good combo. But hey, this is this is why we're talking about it today. So we can we can improve.
1: Well I haven't used this line yet today, but it is what it is.
3: It is what it is. You got it. So um number five is uh <laughs> Carol, you, Carol, you mentioned this earlier. Um the support network, um, I had no idea personally, even becoming my own father's caregiver, and then even since then, that support group is essential without any question. It takes some time, so be patient. There's an, there, it takes an, a trusted internal circle, so you to realize a lot of people, you know, they, they don't want to, oh, I don't want to bother people with my problems. Here comes that chatter again. Here, here's the deal. Take a look at that internal circle, be patient, be open, be open to it. Then close friends, family, coworkers, sometimes a mentor, a counselor, even spiritual groups, just be open to having that support system. Um, one thing that's really been beneficial for, for me, I even did it today, um, is uh, offering others to just pray for me, just as support. Asking for help doesn't usually come easy for us caregivers. Um, we're very outward thinking. So just being open to that support group, um, and we need it. And another discovery on that is I've personally have been uh, surprised by how many people really want to help and be a part of that because they, they see your heart, they see our hearts. But us providing that opportunity, being open to that support and that network, but I can't stress uh, number five more than anything else because that, that support team, especially during um, where we are and where we're headed, we're going to really need that.
1: Okay. we got two more and got about a minute and a half left.
3: Okay. Um, physical, mental, and emotional recovery. Uh, just a few comments. Uh, the soul contains love and the body is our vehicle. So both are very uh, uh, significant. So being sensitive to restoring our mind, restoring our body, restoring our spirit. Last but not least, uh, celebration. Seeking joy, uh, seeking peace, seeking laughter, seeking love, making room for it. And um, the most effective strategy, if everybody wants to know the most effective strategy, don't be your worst enemy. Don't be your worst enemy. It pulls on our entire system. We're going to make mistakes according to our internal performance scale, kick the scale, see what it is, ask for forgiveness, learn from it, move on, but don't be your worst enemy. Number one strategy.
2: I think that's a great strategy, and I love right before that, you know, adding fun. All of us Mm -hmm. need to put fun. It doesn't matter if there's a pandemic. It doesn't matter if you're a caregiver. All of us need some fun
1: in our lives. Yeah. And humor can make a big difference as well.
3: Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm.
1: Well, for folks who want to get a hold of uh, your article, Next Avenue, you can find it online, and they can learn a lot about it. And uh, for the wellness at Lifetime Wellness, uh, is there information on the Internet for folks to check out?
3: Yeah, the best way to to, to reach us online is www.lifetimewellness.us.
1: Not to be confused with Lifetime Fitness.
3: Correct. Lifetime wellness. Thank you, Ron.
1: Now, are you all just in Dallas or are you elsewhere?
3: Uh, our facilities, we're, our headquarters are here, uh, but we're across Texas, Oklahoma, and Colorado.
1: Oh, that's cool. hmm mm-hmm. Hey, thank you so much. Really, really enjoyed listening to you and talking with you, and we appreciate uh, Stephen Chi coming on.
3: Thank you, Ron. Thank you, Carol.
1: Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Stephen's thank director you. of wellness at Lifetime Wellness. I'm Ron Aaron. That ends another one of our Caregiver SOS on-air programs. Co-host Carol Zernel is here, and we will check you out next time around. Thanks for listening.